Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I am so excited to be talking with someone not from the United States today. And you're going to know right away when she says hello who she is. I have Rebecca from Adventures in Speech Pathology, who's going to be sharing with us tips, tricks, hacks, struggles, all that fun stuff when it comes to speech sounds. As you guys know, that is so not my jam. That's not my expertise. I work with the older speech students, and by the time they come to me, it's maybe just R. But I'm so excited. Becca, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I should say g'day, because then that'll really bring out the the Aussiness. G'day. (laughs) So tell everyone who you are, where you're from, what you do, and a little bit about your SLP journey. Okay, so you know, I don't know how many years I've been working. I know it's in the early teens. So I think I'm around year 13, something like that, year 13. And I, um, I'm like a serial SLP job hopper. Like I'm a, I hop from job to job. And so I've done a bit of everything actually. I used to work, well, my first job was in like remote Australia. So I had a really interesting job, not remote, more rural. And then I went to Samoa and I worked in a school for kids with disabilities. And then I moved to America. So I got to be a school-based SLP. And then um, I did some private practice work. And now I'm working private practice, but on my own. So I kind of, you know, I dip my feet into everything, figure out what I like, what I don't like. And now I'm private, only working with speech sounds though. So that's like my little thing. It's my happy place at the moment. And what made you decide that to be your happy place? Do you know what? I honestly think that 
there is too much for us to know out there. That's me personally. Like I just felt overwhelmed that we have to know a bit about stuttering, voice, early language, all the language stuff. There's so much autism. There's so much out there and I felt overwhelmed. And every time I had a speech kit on my caseload, it's like my brain switched off and I didn't have to think about therapy. Like it just came so naturally and I realised that that's my happy place. And so I just really started seeing more kids with speech. And then I just decided, you know what, I'm going to forget all the other kids and just focus on speech. And I'm so much happier in my job. I know everyone can't do that, but that's how, that's, that's how I'm with my kids now. It's like my brain switches off when I do like my speech sound disorder therapy. That's amazing. And what ages are you working with currently? You know, mostly preschools, to be honest, because, you know, four years old is when they come in because I work private. That's when they come and see me. So I have a lot of four-year-olds, a lot of four, fives, anywhere between three to nine, I'd probably say, three to ten. But I reckon I've got like a good four, five, six-year-old age group. So it's kind of fun. It's a fun little age. I get to be a bit over the top and fantastical and big emotions and expressions and yeah. That's why I've got so many wrinkles, Hallie. I, I always look at when I do therapy and I'm like, I'm so great at giving expressions, but these kids are really giving me like eye wrinkles. <laughs> As I'm sitting. <laughs> that's, a, that's a miss. Stop it. Okay. We're like the same age, dude. Okay. <laughs> do you have a favorite sound that you like to work on? No, not really. I have ones I really don't like. Do you know, I've got sounds that, no, I don't have, actually, no, I don't actually, no favourite sound. I've got ones that I dread, like K and G. I'm always like, oh, I just find this so hard. I don't really do any R's, which is interesting. I don't, I don't have the, <laughs> the, is it vocalic R? Is that how you, what you say? Yeah. The, Final. Er, yeah. Or yeah. 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 It's, it's the, yeah. The vowel plus R, the final R. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we don't treat that in Australia. So I don't, I actually haven't treated a lot of R, but when I do treat it, it's fun. I have lots of S kids, but I don't love a sound. I feel like I don't love a sound. I think I love phonology. Like if I had to pick something, I love the therapy more than a sound. Yeah. And why is that? I just find it so amazing. I love analyzing patterns. Like when you get a kid and you get a speech sample and you see like you see all this, it's like a code. And I love sitting there and figuring out the code. Like, wow, you're saying D for S and SH and CH and T. And why is that? And what's going on? I feel like that analysis side is what I love about speech. And I find it is quite straightforward. Yeah, I just, I love it. And so I think like, that's why I love phonology and I love the patterns. I love figuring out if there is a pattern, what's going on. And yeah, being like a detective. So it's like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, nice problem solving. <laughs> and can you share with us when you might have like felt stumped or like a challenging time where you're like, I don't know what to do with this kid? All the time. Like just last <laughs> week, I think I share, and that's what I want to share on like my Instagram account is I'm constantly learning. I know I've like deep, I've done like a deep dive into speech sound disorders, but two weeks ago, you know, I had a little one who had nasal fricatives and I thought this was nasal emission. I didn't even have the right term. And I thought it was a nasal fricative and all the, you know, the S, S, H, C, H, they were all coming out the nose, you know, <laughs> and I've only ever worked with one little one who's done that in my 
13-ish, yeah, years. And so there's always, always those kids that come and, and, and stump me. And, you know, when there's other things going on, like a history of hearing loss or um, suspected childhood apraxia of speech, I feel like I'm stumped every week but I learned something new. That's to me, speech sound disorders. You're always stumped. You just have to add another trick, another tip, another hack to your speech bag. And if you've got a big enough bag, you can pull things out. And that's what I think um, I've learned over the years. It's always adding something new. And I felt like I don't have enough tricks in my bag where I'm scrapping at the bottom of the bag. (laughs) There's got to be a trick in there somewhere. Especially when I am using, working on typically the same sounds over and over again. So when a case comes in that doesn't fit to the mold that I'm used to. You know, I find, um, I really like thinking big picture about, you know how there's different learning styles, like some kids are real visual learners, some kids are tactile, some kids. I feel like with speech sounds, it's kind of nice to think about all those different types of cues. And I think that if you just have one cue, like if you just use a visual cue and you just hold up a card, that doesn't work for every kid. And I have kids and they like, I'll pull out my card and they don't look at it. It means nothing to them. But I, um, if I use a gestural cue and I use my hands to do a gestural cue, they'll copy me immediately. Or if I, you know, provide like a metaphor, like, you know, for fronting, I might talk about front sounds and back sounds or for stopping long sounds and short sounds. I feel like if you tap into like the kid's learning style and you think about different cues like that, you find the right cue that works for the kid. And that's what I think, that's where I think my tips and my tricks come from is thinking about those like big picture cues. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. What kind of tips or strategies can you give to someone who says like, how do you find that out? Especially with a three-year-old, their learning style. My go-to, do you know what? I actually usually go with a visual first with my, a gesture, sorry. I usually, I've got this, um, I know this cueing system, it's called Cued Articulation and there's a book about it and um, I think you can even watch it on YouTube. So I learned these little hand gestures and your hand gestures mimic the speech sounds. So if it's like a P, you know, your fingers are together and then your lips like pop open when your lips pop open. And so I, I just kind of try in my first session, first two or three sessions, I'm going to let parents know Mm -hmm. we're finding things out. Like, you know, these first few sessions, it's like a trial and error, you know, and I'm going to try a couple things and I'm going to see how your child responds. So it is, I don't go straight in with, we're starting therapy. We're getting a hundred trials in the first session. That's not how it goes. You got to find your way with the child and just try things. And some three-year-olds will not sit for you. A lot of them won't sit for you. So I love that. And what was that called? We're going to put in the show notes, the book and the... It's um, Cute Articulation by Jane. I'll send you a link. Yeah, there's a book with hand gestures. You can even um, check out some of the gestures on YouTube as well. And I love that. And I find kids copy them all the time. Like I don't even tell them to. It's like they're cueing themselves. So I really, really like that one. That's one, yeah. It's a really cool. I'm going to definitely be checking out that uh, YouTube channel and that book. That's definitely Mm. a good resource to have on your bookshelf when you're like, okay, what to do differently. Because I have fallen into the visual cue, the model. I've done the gestural cue. I I make up random gestures. I've done some tactile cues. Like I've like, you know, had them feel how the tongue might be moving. You guys can't see what I'm doing. I'm like rubbing my hand on my arm (laughs) 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 to show like the tongue moving back in the mouth and things like that. I actually just now, I just bought a mouth model like 
just before I got on here because I thought, do you know what? I need a big fat mouth <laughs> and I think I might make like a Play-Doh tongue and have the tongue in there. So that's something I thought, do you know what? That's like another cue to help kids kind of visualise what's going on. But yeah, I think it is. It's all about cues. Orthographic cues are great too. Like with my R kids, for example, um, I might have a W and an R on a whiteboard and a line in between them and I'll plot on there. If they say wing, I'll plot that that's a W like you. You said your W, you know, and your kids are old enough. If you've got your, you know, your grade five and grade sixes, they're old enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do a lot of like, I'll make mistakes on myself and be like, you tell me which one did I say? Yeah. We do a lot of that, like self-correcting and self, you know, analyzing and on, on me and on them because I want them to just be aware that they even did it wrong. A lot of them, we've been working on the same sound for how many years? So it's, yeah. it's always trying to find a different approach than it's been tried before. Would you know what, what I, this is what I've kind of seen. Um, I feel like a lot of the times SLPs just go straight in with like initial position or something like that. And we just think, yeah, initial, like that's how we start. And I never start, I never start with initial. I take a session, like once I've done my assessment and then I have my first therapy session, my first therapy session or two is me figuring out where's my best place to start. So I'll look at final position, medial position. I'll look at clusters if I can. And at the moment I've got a little uh, client and we're working on clusters because that's where she sounds best. I'm not even, I'm forgetting R initial. I'm forgetting R in the middle because it doesn't sound good, but she sounds really good with K-R or Kr and Tr and Dr. Like they're really good. And so that's where I'm focusing. I'm like, you sound good there. I'm going to start there. So that's a good little tip for your kids is don't think you have to do initial, like test everything and see what's best. And can you share why you, why are you starting with what they can do? I want them to be successful and I want them to know, I want to break that old mold. You know, they've got their old way. I want them to forget about that. And I want them to feel what it's like to be successful and to get that sound. And sometimes I'll just practice one or two words like this little one. She was great at cry. And that was her homework. It was just to practice the word cry. Cause I wanted her to get all these practices in saying it correct and getting that tongue in the right spot and just practicing automatically. This is what my tongue does when it goes to the R. And my hope is, is that that's going to help transfer to other sounds without me having to kind of touch them, or I might have to touch on them a bit, but she's getting really good. So I start with that, this one, not all the time, every kid's different, but I just think, you know what, you know, as a seven-year-old, I want you to I want to break that seven-year pattern of saying R incorrectly. So, Once you finally have that mastered and understood, where would you go from there? Well, I'm always checking every few sessions what all the other sounds are doing. I'm always looking for carryover, always. So what I did yesterday is I, I checked all the other blends and a couple came through that I hadn't even touched yet. And I was like, yes, like, you know, like you're <laughs> saying them there. And so that was exciting. But then, well, principles of motor learning stuff, you know how you've got your different types of practice, like you have your mass practice and you distribute it. And yeah, I kind of, I like to mix things up as well. So I'd probably throw in or see what she's doing in medial and initial as well. Do you know what? It kind of changes. It changes based on where she's going Mm because kids change a lot. And I think the key thing is you should always be checking for generalisation because you want to know if things are changing without you having to touch them. 
mm-hmm. and if it's making an impact and if you're on the right track because if things aren't generalizing at all that's where I stop and I go okay do I need to teach do I need to change something I'm doing but if things are taking over and making changes I'm like this is awesome you know when would you give a sound before you say okay I need to try a different tactic and different sound a different approach do you give it a session a month a minute Do you know, I I look at their behavior. Behavior is a really big thing I found. A lot of times I go in with with a plan. Well, it's not just behavior. It's the kid's personality and it's how they react to the therapy. So I've had some kids and I've tried a therapy approach that I think is going to be awesome and they will not talk. They will not participate, you know, and, and I just think, is it worth it? Like, is it worth me trying to push this session after session after session? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, I might, you know, try a little bit or the next one to try a little bit, but I want a kid to be successful. I want them to feel confident and I want to have a great rapport with them and I want them to trust me that I'm helping them. So you know, I wouldn't work on K for six months if there was something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wouldn't flog a sound if there's other things to work on. I might try it and then and, and, and give it a break. But you know, and I think the hard thing when you have your kids, they've probably just got R, right? Yeah. Like it's, when they're older and they just have one sound, it's hard. It's like, but oh, when again? they're younger, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why again. I wonder if clusters or something a bit different, I don't know, you know, can help break that. And I found for my students a lot of it was, is breaking a habit. Like they can do it in isolation. It's conversation. It's carryover at this point. It's being aware. It's like 10, it's 11, 12 years of them producing it wrong. And it's like, come on now. <laughs> you know, I found a really good article. I'm not sure if it's free access. I think it's on ASHA. It's, um, it's called like a constructivist. I haven't come across that term. It's like a constructivist Um, approach to carryover or generalization. I'll send you it to you. I really liked it. It was a really, it gave a really nice structure and like how to think about carryover and different kind of steps. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've got it on hand at the moment. It really helped me think about carryover in a different way. And Pam Marshala's book, she's got a good carryover book too. Yeah. Yeah, it's about tricks, isn't it, Hallie? So it's just trying something different. I I love the thought process of using their learning styles, especially like Mm. for older students, like they're kind of becoming more aware of their learning styles and Mm -hmm. they can tell you like, okay, I like learning by listening or writing or reading. They can tell you all those things by by that age. So... It's such a great approach. And I love that you said, like, I want them to be successful. Stop drilling the same approach. Try something different. Can you share with us, like, your three favorite strategies that you've had the most success with, that you have fun with, that you find are, like, on the top of that that bag for you? You're going to have to narrow this down for me, Hallie. Okay. How about S? Okay. 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 So give us your favorite strategy for S. Okay. Oh, I've got so many of these. Okay. Well, one of them, number one is look at clusters. I find so many kids do grading clusters. Another one for S is um, start with the T and do that long T. So you might go like T, T, T. So the T draws out into an S. I really like that one. (laughs) Another thing I think a lot of people are missing out on are vowels because vowels can really facilitate speech sounds. And actually I've got an R hack for this. I don't know if it would work in America. I'd be curious. You know how there's like high vowels, low vowels, front vowels, back vowels, and Mm -hmm. you have that quadrilateral that I'm sure no one ever looks at. 
I find that so interesting because have you ever seen kids and you give them like 10 card, 10 words to say, and there's like maybe four that they're really, really, really good at. And then the other ones, they're not. This is similar with the vowel. Yeah, it's because of the vowel. So when I work on R, I actually find R medial in Australia. I don't know if it carries over in America. I find when I do R medial with a schwa after the R, like carrot, pirate, parrot, my kids are really good at those, really, really, really good at them. And I would never do arrow or mirror because of that rounded vowel. Uh-huh. Um, it just encourages a W. So that's a little hack. Ah, wow. huh. Pirate. Ah. I don't know. Yeah. Try it. But I yeah, am going to try it. Because it's, it's like a middle. It's in the middle, you know, that schwa. It's kind of like your tongue's in the middle. If you think about where your tongue has to go, same as S, you know, sometimes, um, you know, the high front vowel E, you know, your tongue is up high and it's at the front. And if you think where S is, your tongue is high and at the front. So if you do not C, I usually do the vowel first sometimes, E, C. There's minimal movement. Same as with SH, my favourite trick is to start with OO because your lips are round already. Oosh. There's hardly any movement. Like this, there's not a lot of like my tongue has to go forward and then back and my lips like this. It's like everything's in the same place. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Is everyone listening like mine? You guys are probably all in your car, like going, like doing the mouth movements. Hopefully you're in the car by yourself. And if your kids are in the backseat, they're not making fun of you too much. And if you're stopped at a red light, just don't even look at the car next to you. It's fine. Because <laughs> I, bet I bet you guys are trying this at home because I'm sitting here doing this. Like, I'm like, whoa, it's so true. It and that's such a good doesn't it? And I never even thought of that with the O, like the arrow with that sound because of the rounding. I never even thought of that. Mm. So this is where I love that. You know, I said I love analysing speech. This is where, you know, when I kind of was like, why are my kids always getting parrot, parrot, carrot, you know? And I was like, oh, they all have that root, you know? It's Mm -hmm. all like a root at the end. It's that, yeah. And I I, I just, it was like they never got arrow. They never got mirror. I was like, I'm never going to touch them. Like I'm not putting them in my card set because I know they're going to get it wrong. So, yeah. Another thing, I love playing with vowels even just um, as syllables. So with like oosh, even me then going on to like ooshu because the oo at the end or like e, c, and then you can get like an s in the middle or an sh in the middle. And then I might try the sound in initial position. But usually I'll do like a final, medial, and then initial, and I'll kind of see. And sometimes just using those silly syllables, it breaks it because it's not a real word that they've got in their head that they always say wrong because, you know, whenever they say (laughs) sun, you know, it's just that, oh, yeah, when I say sun, my tongue pops out. You know, by kind of breaking that and just trying some of those syllables, you know, you're, you're breaking it and it's like a non-word and it can, yeah, it can really help. So yeah, I've actually got free vowel charts on my TPT store. There's like a free general American, North American English, and then an Australian one as well. And it kind of has, I'm trying to look for it in my room. It has (laughs) um, down the bottom, like a little bit of a list of like, which ones are high central back and then rounded and unrounded. So that can kind of help you visualize a little bit, but that's great. I love the, the different, like 
thought process and changing it up and getting them to just be successful with those nonsense syllables and then find some words that have those syllables after that to help show them like that carryover piece. Like, Mm. I love that. And then when would you take it like, okay, so now we have it, we have some words, let's try a different vowel. When would you, once they've shown One yesterday. of the things I like to do, yeah, so I might do like a bit of practice like oosh, 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 ish, you know, and I'll get them kind of on a roll, like on a good roll. Um, yeah, I like getting them on rolls with words. I actually did it with my R one um, because they said cry so well. We did cry, 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 and then we did cry, crack, cry, crow, cry, crate, you know, just to see mm-hmm. because if it's like they're kind of getting their head of, I know how to do this one and let's kind of add it on here. And a lot of the times that can help because they're kind of in that right mindset. You know, you, it's kind of like getting their mind to switch off and having it be an automatic. I'm doing so many gestures right now, Hallie. It's fine. I'm a girl from New York. So clearly, like, clearly it doesn't even phase. No, I'm not even phased. Um, I, so many times I've, like, whacked the microphone because I'm talking with my hands. So it's really okay. I feel like this should have been, like, a video one because you, you can see all the gestures I'm doing for speech sounds and this and, yeah, but you're... Well, I am recording the video, so we might have to take some blooper, uh, you know... <laughs> scenes out for my gestures yeah i'm italian so it's like you cannot keep my hands still they are always moving i've got the jewish uh the yentiness <laughs> in me so it's okay totally get it so, since you're on a roll and i want everyone to know that she, as soon as i asked her for her biggest tips and tricks rebecca just started glowing she is lighting up so i'm gonna ask her for some more because i bet you guys are wanting to hear what are your favorite tips and tricks for like th I rarely work on it. Okay, then there we go. Sorry. <laughs> I do. I rarely, I rarely, rarely work on it. So I don't even think like I have any extra mm. special tips or tricks. How about L? Oh, but you know, actually, you know, one thing I will say, don't stick your tongue out too far for TH. It's <laughs> when you really think and sit. Some of the things I do is I really sit and I look in the mirror mm-hmm. and I really look at my mouth and how I do it. And we don't extend our tongue that far. So I know when you say stick your tongue out, but it really, I'm going to do it now. It's mm-hmm. so tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's I like think, how to touch, like how to sneak through and not stick out. Like. It is. It's so tiny. So I think one of the important things, I think every SLP needs a mirror and hopefully like a big enough mirror where you and the child can be next to each other so you can see each other next to. I think a really good trick I like to do is to go to say the sound but freeze and really look and see, and I get parents to do it too. Like I'll say, go to say k, but don't say k. You know, what's happening? You know, like what's your mouth doing? Freeze and have a look. And I'll get my kids to freeze as well. Like go to say th, but don't say it. And let's see, because a lot of the times you can tell that they're going to say it wrong before they say it wrong just by how they're going to say it. Mm -hmm. Like with um, my fronting kids, like my, who do the T, I know they're going to say T and not K if their mouth is not open a bit. Like I know they've got a better chance Mm -hmm. of saying a K sound or a G sound if their mouth is open a bit. Like I I know it's going to be wrong before it comes out just by seeing how they're getting ready to say it. So even just that, what's our starting position? What does it look like to start to say that sound and having it like frozen Mm -hmm. is a good little Thing. so that's my th thing and i love that even train the parents to do it as well and do yeah. it with, with their kids and doing practicing the sounds next to them not just giving them a word lesson listening it to them doing it with yeah. them 
Been That's such a barrier, Hallie. When I worked, I'm going to be honest here. When I worked in America, I really, really disliked my school job. Like I had, I was actually thinking of leaving the profession. Like I was so disheartened because I'd come from, I think I had like seven years seven years of working as a speech pathologist and I always had a parent in my room and not having a parent in my room, I just felt like my kids were in therapy forever and the progress was so slow and it was really hard because I was used to getting these kids in and out and it was really hard because I knew I knew different. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's why I also tell like friends all the time when they tell me like, oh, my child needs speech because of articulation, like go private. I know they might get, I know you want to fight to get it in the schools. I'm like, as a parent, as an SLP, like you can get individually and and be a part of the process privately. Like it's. Yeah. I think some things I started doing was like that, um, the five minutes, you know, like five, 10 minutes, that was great. And then, um, what I'm doing now with my parents, which maybe school-based SLPs could do as well is I'm actually, um, I'm videoing the student or I'm videoing myself. I'm videoing little parts of the session. I'm either videoing myself saying, hi, mom, this is what I want you to do with, you know, Hallie for her R. I want you to, and I'll make a quick video and I'll send it or I'll, I'll film the child and I'm doing like a minute of therapy and I know that there's going to be a mistake there and then they'll hear how I give feedback and correct it. So I found that just that, them being able to see and hear and have that video to go back to really helps. But it's such a barrier. Yeah, it's such a barrier for school-based SLPs. And I mean, I don't even want school-based SLPs to treat speech. I want those kids 100% intelligible before they start school. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be more for carryover. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, because, you know, it's just they should. Like kids should be 100% intelligible by the time they're ready to start school. And that breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart because the kids know. You would mm-hmm. know confidence mm-hmm. and they, they know that they sound different and that breaks my heart the most with these speech kids and that's why I'm so passionate. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm choking up about my job oh. because... Um, I've just seen, I've just, I, I see these really severe kids when they're young and it really impacts them. It does. Yeah. It does. It does. And I love it that you're so passionate about getting it early on so that they can have a better outcome and better yeah. outlook and more confidence. And I, I love these approaches. Have yeah. you ever had a case, a child that like you felt like you were like, couldn't break, like you couldn't get to them. Did you ever have any? Yeah, I've had one and I've contacted so many people and I still think about them and I still can't figure out what was going on. I do have a lot with those complex kids. It's really hard, but I think it's also really important to be, I'm really honest with parents as well. If I'm not quite sure about something, I'll let them know. Like I don't pretend that I know everything. I will be really honest and say, look, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't quite know, you know, like what's going on or it's really hard. The other thing is, though, is that I can only do so much. If, if nothing's been done at home, it's hard. Like I find it hard to fix a kid 30 minutes a week. Like I can only do so much. 
There has to be carryover. Someone has to be following up with the strategies. There has to be. Yeah, all that little bit of a practice. And I kind of say to parents, it's like learning how to read. We can't, you can't expect a child to pick up a book and to do 30 minutes reading a day, uh, reading a week, once a week, and then be able to read. Like reading doesn't work like that. And so I try to tell parents that's like with speech, you know, like they've got to do this practice and, you know, we've got to, they've got to be doing a little bit every day for that growth to happen. So I kind of, you know, I'll say that reading thing. I know some people might say it's like riding a bike, but I feel like, you know, when, um, when the kids are in a school age, parents understand that reading is such a big process and by linking it to speech, it's something a bit more relatable. So I have serious and more serious. You can live without riding a bike. You can, yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Not being able to read is a bigger deal. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I get kids all the time that I'm stumped with. And this is where I reach out to people. Um, I find, I found that Instagram's amazing because there's a lot of more um, like speech scientists and researchers joining. And then there's a really great Facebook group that you'll have to add in your show notes. It's evidence-based practice for SLPs. There's a special, yeah. it's a tricky long thing, <laughs> but when I look at like the people that are in there, it's like all these people that I know, like I've like, I've read your book, like you do this approach. It's all these like big name for me, like famous SLPs are actually in that group. And so that's a really nice spot because yeah, I don't feel like, I don't know. I feel like if you can say that you're never frazzled or you always know what you're doing with your kids, I don't believe that. I feel like we're always <laughs> challenged with our kids. There's always going to be something. It's, it's always something to learn. And kids do amazingly strange, brilliant things with speech. Like <laughs> it's like kind of amazing. I find it kind of amazing how they've learned to do something different. It's just like wow. Like, but if every kid was the same, we would be bored out of our minds. And then also, and also, we would be we'd be out of a job. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so now I, I get stumped a lot and it's okay to ask for help and it's you just got to learn more. That's my thing. And even though, like, so now I only focus on speech sounds, right, I feel like my knowledge is like 60%. I feel like I'm still, yeah, about 60%. I would give you but, more 75. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but see, I feel like other people would give me like 90%. But then when I, no way, like I know, I know what I know and I know what I don't know but I feel like people think I know way more. Because you know more than me. <laughs> but maybe, but I, I honestly know that I've got so much to learn and I'm only focusing on one area. And like I said, I think about a lot of other SLPs, they don't get to just focus on one area. You have to do a bit of everything. And I find that really overwhelming. And I don't think we should. I feel like we should to <laughs> areas you know, like that mm-hmm. we're good at, can. It'd be nice if we could, you know, like say, I'm really great at stuttering. Like, give me the stuttering kids or. No, you know. <laughs> Not me. Either. That way, does it? Now, yeah. can, can you give like your best advice for someone who's like struggling to feel confident in this area? Like, what's something that you do to help uh, other than like reading and researching and asking questions? Like, what has helped you stay motivated, like confident? You have to learn more approaches, 100%. There are so many like phonological therapy approaches out there. You've got minimal pairs, maximal oppositions, multiple oppositions, cycles. You've got like the complexity approaches, um, stimulability approach. And then when you think about motor speech disorders, like childhood apraxia speech, DTTC, rest, you've got different programs. 
there's so much out there. And if you only know one approach, like if you're really confident with like just articulation kind of therapy, then when these other kids come on your caseload, yeah, you're going to be stumped because you don't have other options. And those approaches, they, they do take a while to learn. So what I did for myself is I actually said to myself, I'm going to learn rest therapy this year, or I'm going to do cycles. I think I only learned cycles in my eighth year and I hadn't done it prior to then. So, you know, I just was like, I'm going to learn cycles and I'm going to do it and I'm going to practice it and I'm going to find the right kids so that when the next kid comes along, I've got options now. I've got three options or I've got five options. And because I'm more confident with so many approaches, I can like figure out, you know, the best approach for the child. But like I said, it does take time. And I really did gave, I gave myself a goal of like learning a new approach a year and like deep diving into approach because it takes a lot. It's a lot of learning and, and, and you've got to figure things out and get your materials. But the more approaches, you know, the more choice you have and the more confident you can be that you are matching the right approach to the child versus fitting everyone into a mold. And I don't think every kid should be given one approach or be fit into a mold. That's my. What is your, like, what's your most go-to approach? So you feel like if someone was like, which one should I pick? Which one should I pick? Minimal pairs is a great one. A lot of kids, you know, that's for like, you know, my mild to moderate kids. Because a lot of kids, you know, you'll have your fronters, you'll have your cluster reduction and things like that. Like, I feel like a lot of SLPs, we know the patterns, right? We know the patterns. We know fronting. And so... A lot of the times you have to give articulation cues, right? Like if your kid can't say K and G, sure, you have to get them stimulable. You have to kind of get that because otherwise minimal pairs will just be do and do all the time. It won't be do and go. Once the kid has that sound, swap. Do that contrast. You know, did you mean do or go? Like which one? <laughs> yeah, so mi- minimal pairs, And I've had amazing success in this past year, Hallie. I've had kids generalize in three sessions. I've had three kids now in three sessions gone from not being able to say the sound or having that pattern. And then in the third session, it's there in conversation, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. And it's like, holy moly. Like that was three sessions and you're off my, you're gone. You're off my caseload pretty much. <laughs> or, you know, monitor. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, that's like three sessions. Word's going to get out about you, you know. <laughs> you know, a parent's knocking down your door for uh, these th- the, three yeah. sec- the three session fixes. <laughs> so, you know, it really is. It's, it's, and it's figuring out that the right approach. But look, I've, I've gone in thinking I'm going to do um, multiple oppositions with you did not work. Like you can just tell, you know, when your kids are just like, nah. And like I said, are you really going to fight this every week? You know, I might try it again the next week. And if it's just like not happening, you know, I've had to go and go to my next case scenario, which for this little one, it was, okay, well, let's just do minimal pairs then. No, no, wasn't working. Okay. Let's just do cycles then. No, wasn't happening. So I had to go down to my fourth choice stimulability work and then once they got used to me they got used to that expectation of we're doing something hard you're going to be looking at me you're going to be copy you know what I mean it's different kids Mm -hmm. some kids don't get therapy and they have to like your work is getting them ready 
for when we are going to do therapy. Does that make sense? Yeah, so then I got takes to back, with yeah. yeah, but it took me, I think, oh, maybe eight weeks until I actually got to do the therapy that I really, really, really wanted to do because you have to, it just, that kid wasn't ready. And I find many SLPs get, it, you know, I have this plan. Mm. I have my materials. I have, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, here I am, the students in front of me. I don't have, to, I don't have anything else to grab yeah. from. And now what do I do? So can you give someone a bit of advice on like how you can take that same plan, that same material and just pivot? And and not pivot, but like change the approach. Like how can you someone like view it so they can change the approach without feeling like they need to. You know, I feel like my first few sessions, they're always trial and error. And I tell parents, so I, I, I know I do go in with my cards ready. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the day, I, I just want, sometimes one of my pivots is if the, if the child won't talk, it's like, oh, this is what I do. We're going to do it with mum. They can watch mum do the therapy. Or if you had another, you mm-hmm. know, student, if you're doing a group, I'll get them to watch the parents. And then I can do, I, I, I involve parents a lot, especially with my little ones. I'll get mum to do it first. Or I'll get dad to do it first. And then it's your turn. Or let's see if I can trick dad. Or let's see if dad can do it. And I'll say, okay, dad. And, you know, I'll talk to them how I would the child. And then they can kind of see that it's okay. Or I'll swap and I'll say, well, how about you listen to me and you tell me and you can be the teacher. You know, I, I guess just I try to swap it so that we're still doing something but the pressure's off them a bit or even just that idea of really um, exposing them to a lot of those words, you know, that little bit of that bombardment, even if I can just model a lot and have the sounds and get them used to it and then I always still probe, oh, you have a try, like your turn and if they don't want it, that's okay, you know, but, you know, kind of get them to see. So, yeah, I find having someone else there to model the therapy on at least it's okay because you don't know if they're confused. Like a lot of these approaches are confusing. It's like, why am I saying this word and that word? Like, what's the point? You know, why? You're like, so, trust um, me, just trust me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doing it with someone else can help or getting them to still participate and get something out of it. I feel like the SLP still has to win. You know, you can't just get the have the kid be completely off the hook. I like to still have them do something for me, even if it's the kids that refuse. I still want, I'll find a way for them, even if it's like they had to give me a thumbs up if I said it good or not. I still want them to participate and have them kind of follow something and engage in something. So like they feel like they're in control, but it's really us in control the entire time. Yeah. You know, it's shifting the, you know, it's shifting. And if they don't want to talk, like I said, if they can draw, if they can just listen to me and then tell me or something like that, or, and then I can be like, Oh no, that's okay. I'll fix it. I'm just going to try again. And I might model that it's all right it's hard you know and you know just let them know it's okay I like that I like that I love using the parents using the other members in the group use the classroom teacher if you have to bringing them back to class or you know somehow (laughs) so can you give everyone one last tip one last bit of advice um something that you wished you knew when you were first starting out that I don't think our university or college, you say college, don't you? I don't feel like it adequately prepared me to treat speech sound disorders. Everything I learned, I learned when I left and it's okay. It's okay. So I don't think 
you should come out thinking, oh, I can't believe I don't know how to do minimal pairs because I think we get so much information and we're too hard on ourselves. So I think we all just need to not be so hard on ourselves and just know that it's okay and you're going to get most of your practice with new kids, trying new things, trying new things. But my 95% of what I learned was in the field once I graduated. So this is great bit of advice. Thank you yep. so, so much, Rebecca. This has been mind blowing. I have so many, I took like so many notes myself while she was talking and don't worry if you're listening, please don't like slam on the brakes. I have everything in the show notes for you. So not to worry. And Rebecca, tell everyone, where can they find you, learn about you, see your amazingness in action? Yes. So my Instagram is adventures in speech pathology. And um, I've been trying to share more videos and little tips and stuff lately and have little Q and A's. And um, I think one of the things I'd love for people to know is that I've started doing some Q and A's with some amazing, amazing people. Like I've spoke to like Dr. Kelly Farquharson and Dr. Lynn Williams and Dr. Kazlyn Mason. So like amazing people. And I'm asking them questions that SLPs all want to know. So that's something I'm really I really want to help SLPs because I'm learning too. So I'd love if people could follow me on Instagram there. That's like the best place to connect and be more confident with treating speech sound disorders. Yeah, she's always sharing amazing videos, amazing tips. You'll get so many practical ideas and see her in action versus just hearing about it or reading about it or just seeing a picture. You really are feeling like you're in the therapy room with her. So thank you so much, Rebecca. I'm going to end this episode with a joke. Do you have a favorite joke? No, I'm not. I don't get jokes, Hallie. Like I actually, I'm one of those people that says, what? I don't get it. So we'll see. Let's see. Okay, I got a go. good one. I got, uh, where did I put it? Why, do, why don't you wear a cardboard belt? Are you asking me or yeah. is this a... Do I think it really is for everyone. <laughs> or is this rhetorical? It's rhetorical. <laughs> Why don't you wear a cardboard belt? Why? That would be a waste of paper. Get it? Waste. Waste. The two meanings of the word waste. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I find it funny. <laughs> Sorry. I am Sorry, a cheese ball. I am a, I am a cheese ball. <laughs> but I'm che- okay, guys, I hope at home you're laughing a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Just a little. <laughs> And I'm determined now to find one that you'll like. What color socks do bears wear? I don't know. They don't wear socks. They have bare feet. Oh, I like that I one. Think- okay, 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 guys. So you got two jokes this week, guys. <laughs> you got two jokes. You can select which one you prefer to tell your students and or, or let them vote. That's a great building rapport activity. See which joke they prefer. So thank you so much, Rebecca. Until next week, everyone. Stay out of trouble. Deciding how to break down higher level thinking skills for our speech students can be a challenge for SLPs in the school. We have so many other things on our plate. The last thing we need to do is try to reinvent the wheel. And that is why I have available for you my free critical thinking visual aids ready for you and free and available on my blog. All you have to do is print them out or display them on a device or smart board or whatever you are using. I have them for inferencing, understanding literal versus inferential questions, compare and contrast, context clues, 
The sky is the limit. I am here to make things easier for you so you can teach your students, they can grasp those tricky concepts, build that confidence, and be more willing to participate with your awesome speech and language lessons. So head on over, if you haven't already, grab them to speechtimefund.com slash visuals now and get those free visuals today to add to your SLP toolbox. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun, and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.